like to have the kids come up if they would. Uh, today is a, a story sermon day, a day when we have hopefully a little fun together. And I need to feed off their uh, enthusiasm to be able to share some story that I think is, is relevant to today. I challenge you to try to, to guess what the story might be. And as we get started, I think maybe you'll get it sorted out and see the collection or the connection. Come on, guys. Come on in and have a seat. All right. I want to start with a question to you kids. What's, what's going to happen tomorrow? What's, what, what's happening tomorrow? <laughs> Mark's going to set out a slip and slide. <laughs> well, what is tomorrow? What is tomorrow? Carter. Fourth of July. All right. And what's the Fourth of July all about? Why do we celebrate the Fourth of July? It's representing what? What do we celebrate on the 4th of July? Fireworks. Yeah, okay, we celebrate fireworks. Come on, what's the 4th of July all about? Huh? Freedom. All right, the 4th of July is about freedom. And uh, it's the day that leaders in 13 colonies signed a Declaration of Independence saying that we would be a nation freed from the tyranny of the king of England. He'd passed a lot of laws that were, were, were not good laws at all. And many of our, our founders were, were being imprisoned and even killed because of, of a desire to, to be free. And it was time for our nation to have a birth. And we did that on uh, July 4th, 1776, almost 250 years ago. So that's why we celebrate the 4th of July. It's the day we celebrate the signing of the Declaration of Independence. Well, the story I want to tell you today isn't about that. But it's about something that took place almost 2,500 years ago that has some similarities because a declaration was signed that saved a people. And gave them the ultimate freedom. The story is found in the Old Testament. And it recounts the time when Ahasuerus was king over Persia. Now the name Ahasuerus means royal hero. He was the king who controlled almost the whole world. All the way from India to Ethiopia to Africa. There were 127 different uh, provinces that he was king over. And he was pretty proud of himself because he was the royal hero. Well, after he'd been king for about three years, he decided it was time to have all the leaders from out his, throughout his kingdom to come to Susa, the capital, and to celebrate with him his position as king. And he wanted them to see how rich he was and how powerful he was because he was planning to fight against Greece. And so they all came to Susa, and he spent six months, a half of a year, showing how much money he had and, and how great he was and all of his armed forces. And, and they, they partied day in and day out, just one celebration after another, letting everyone know that the royal hero was their king, 
king over the whole kingdom of Persia. Well, after six months of partying, the king decided that, that they needed to let all the people who lived in, in the capital city come and celebrate too. So he invited everybody to, to come and to have a party with him, a big cookout that would last for a whole week. And he decorated the garden with, with uh, banners in the colors of their nation, kind of like we do over the 4th of July. And had everything decorated. They had all the food laid out for everybody. Everybody was given a big gulp cup. Have you ever had one of those? The kind you can just drink and drink and drink. And everyone was allowed to have all the Coke they wanted, all the Dr. Pepper and whatever else they wanted. Uh, they just drank and had a good time and ate and partied for a whole week. Well, at the end of the week, the king had apparently been drinking something other than Coca-Cola. And uh, he got just a little crazy, and he was married to Vashti. And Vashti was the queen. And according to historians, she was one of the ten most beautiful women to ever be. Well, she was his queen. And she had been having a banquet for all the women while he was having this big party for everybody else. And he decided he wanted Vashti to come and show everybody how beautiful she was. And that, of course, you know, she was his wife. Well, he wanted her to come wearing her crown. Now, I found something interesting this week. Some of the old rabbis suggested that that's all he wanted her to wear. Whether that's the case or not, she said no. She wasn't going to come and, and show off her beauty to all the people. And the king got so upset, but he didn't know what to do about it. His wife had never said no to him before. The queen had never said no. And he called his wise men together and he says, what am I going to do? The queen won't come when I called her. And the, the advisors go, well, we have a problem here. Not only does, does this affect you and the queen, but what's going to happen when our wives hear that your wife didn't come when you called her? They're going to say, well, the queen said no, so we don't have to do the laundry. You know, we don't have to cook your meal. And everybody in the whole nation, all, all the women are going to tell their husbands, eh, do it yourself. We can't have that. We've got to pass a law that says wives must obey their husbands. Is that a good law? No. What? Yeah. Oh, sure. Yeah. That, that, that's a good answer. That's a good answer. Well, they, the guys, of course, thought it was a really great law. And they said, we think the queen ought to be kicked out of the palace. Take her crown away and give it to somebody else. And let everybody know what happens when you say no to your husband. And, of course, they thought that was a great law. They wrote the law. They kicked her out of the palace and uh, things were okay for a little while. The king took off and, and had a, a war in Greece and spent two or three years fighting. When he came back from war, he got to the palace and he didn't have a wife. He didn't have a queen. And all of his advisors could see that he was a little upset about that. And they said, we need to do something. The king's kind of in a funk because he doesn't have a queen. We need to figure out some way to get a new queen in here. And they talked to the king and they said, we got an idea. We want to have a beauty contest. We want to gather up all the most beautiful women throughout the whole kingdom of Persia. We want them to come, and then the king can pick one of them to be the queen. Now, the king liked that idea. 
And so they sent out the messengers to gather up all the pretty girls throughout the whole nation of Persia. Well, it just so happened that one of the prettiest lived right in town. A hometown girl, kind of. Her name was Hadassah, or Esther, which means star. And her mom and dad had died sometime earlier, and she'd been raised by a cousin named Mordecai. And she was beautiful. And the guys who were looking for beautiful women to bring before the king grabbed her off the street one day and said, Come on, we want you to to be in the beauty contest. They took her to the fancy hotel where they were keeping everybody, and and, uh, the guy who was in charge said, Man, she's good looking. She was actually, the Bible says, Beautiful of form and figure. That means, or form and face. It means she had a good figure and a beautiful face. So she looked really good. And everybody noticed it. And even the guy who was in charge of all the beauty contestants said, this one's special. Gave her a special suite. Gave her uh, seven maids to take care of her, to give her everything she needed. And uh, said, keep an eye on this girl. Well, it was time for them all to get ready to see the king. But you know, it takes a while to see the king. You don't just come off the street and then present yourself to the king. You have to get all prettied up. You know how it is in the mornings when your moms get up, you know? They do stuff in the mirror, right? Don't they? They should. Yeah. And and, uh, they, they get themselves all prettied up. Well, to go before the king is going to take a while. In fact, it's going to take a year. A year. For six Months, six months, they rubbed oil of Olay all over their skin. They didn't want to be slimy. They just wanted to be soft and just kept rubbing it until they were just, oh, man, just so soft. And then they spent six months trying to find the perfect perfume for everybody. Now, this is tough. This is tough. I remember taking one of my granddaughters to uh, bath and body. And we were trying to find the perfect fragrance. How many did we smell that day, Grace? A lot, yeah. No, no, not that one, not that one. I mean, it's confusing. It's really hard to smell good, you know? And they spent six months trying to find the perfect perfume for all the girls and, and, and makeup. Oh, they had to get their blush on just right and find how much eye makeup and how to curl their eyelashes or whatever it is girls do. And they spent six months getting as beautiful as they could. And then one by one, the girls would spend the evening with the king, and the king would then get to choose who would be the queen. Well, of course, when Esther went in to the king, the king was blown away. It was love at first sight. He said, this is the one who will be my queen. And he put the crown on her head and and had a banquet for her celebrating. Everything was so cool. And Esther just kind of was overwhelmed by it all. And Mordecai, her cousin, had been trying to keep track of how she was doing. And and he was outside the the, the palace. And during that same time, he, he heard a plot of a couple of the king's guards who were going to kill the king. And so Mordecai sent word to Esther and and told Esther to tell the king what was happening. And the king called in the the guards, and they had a trial. They found out it was true. They executed them both, and they wrote it down in the king's book that Mordecai had saved the king's life. Okay? Well, things were going pretty good in the country. 
for a while. In fact, about five years passed, and a man named Haman became second in control. He was put over all the princes. He was put over all the military. And he was a very, very wealthy man. And the king declared that, that when Haman walked by somebody, everyone was supposed to bow down. Do you know how to do that? All right, when, when, I walk by, I went, I, when I walk by, I want you all to bow down, okay? Ready? All right, bow down. Oh, come on, you can do better now. Yeah, yeah, come on. Are you all bowing down? Some of you aren't bowing down. Whoa! You didn't bow down to me. Well, Haman got really ticked off because Mordecai didn't bow down to him either. And he couldn't understand why. And the other guards start asking, what's going on? How come you don't bow down when, when Haman walks by? And Mordecai says, well, i got a secret. I'm Jewish. I worship the God of Israel. And we don't bow down before men. We bow down before God. And they said, hmm. And so they sent word to Haman and said, hey, Haman, Mordecai says he doesn't have to bow down to you because he's Jewish. And Haman got really mad because it's a pretty good chance that Haman's great, 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 great grandfather was a guy named Agag. He was a uh, pagan king who God said needed to be executed, and King Saul didn't do it. And so the Bible says Samuel hacked Agag to pieces. Well, that had probably carried down through the family history, and uh, Haman thought, I hate Jews. Not only do I hate Mordecai, I hate all Jews. I want to get rid of them all. And he had to come up with a way to do that. And he thought and thought and thought, and then he went to some guys and friends. He said, guys, we've got to figure out what to do. And they said, well, let's, 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 let's play a little game. You know how when you try to find out something by drawing cards or rolling dice or something? They had a game called Pure, P-U-R. said, let's, let's, let's play this game and, and see if we can figure out when's the perfect time to get rid of all these Jews. Nasty game. Well, they played it, and it came up on the 13th, the unlucky 13th of the 12th month. And Haman said, that's the day we're going to do it. So he went to the king, and he said, sir, he said, uh, we have some illegal aliens living in our country. You know, when they came, they weren't illegal. In fact, uh, Nebuchadnezzar brought them here. But then when, when, uh, when Cyrus became king, he told them they could go home. But some of them didn't go home. They overstayed their welcome. And they're still here. And they're not like us. They speak a different language. They wear different clothes. They don't obey your laws. I think we need to get rid of them. And I, I'm convinced it's so important that I will give you a million dollars to put in the treasury to get rid of all the Jews in the country. And the king was only halfway listening. You know, sometimes kings are more concerned about other things, like what they're going to eat and what they're going to drink. And the king said, sure, whatever you want. He said, it's your money. Do with it what you want. And he took off his ring and gave it to Haman and said, you write up the law and you seal it with my ring and that will become the law of the Medes and Persians and whatever you want is fine with me. Well, Haman wrote the law that said on the 13th day of the 12th month, every Jewish person in the whole kingdom would be killed, destroyed, annihilated, wiped out. And anybody who, who killed them could have their stuff. 
horrible, horrible idea. You could kill somebody and steal their stuff, and it would be legal on that one day, on the 13th day of the 12th month. Well, when they wrote that into the law and they sent it out, of course, there was people going crazy. All the Jews were scared to death, thinking, we're gone. And everybody who hated the Jews thought, hey, I know who I'm going to kill. I'm going to, he's a rich one. I'm going to kill him, get all his stuff. And, and the whole country was in confusion. Things were going crazy. And Mordecai found out about it. He was mortified when he found out. And uh, so Mordecai tore his clothes. That was the way you showed you were just so distressed. He, he tore his clothes and began wailing outside the palace. Well, word got back to Esther that Mordecai was in rags. She thought he'd become a homeless guy. And so she sent some clothes out to him. He said, no, I don't want them. And she sent back a messenger and said, what's the problem? And he said, let me tell you. And he gave her a copy of the law that Haman had written that said all the Jews were to be killed. And he said to the queen, he says, you've got to do something about that. You need to go to the king and tell him to stop this law. And she wrote back and said, I don't think I can do that. Because if anyone goes before the king who hasn't been summoned by the king, they're killed. Unless he lowers his golden scepter. And he hasn't called for me for over a month. And, and, and if I go running into the palace, in, into the uh, um, throne room, I'll get killed. And Mordecai said to her, you know, maybe God put you in the palace just for this purpose. God has a job for you to do. And if you don't do what God has made possible for you to do, he'll find somebody else to do it because God's will is going to be done. But you have a chance to be used by God to accomplish something great and to save yourself and all of your people. You need to go. Esther said, well, you get everybody, all the Jews, to pray for me. Don't eat for three days. Pray for three days. I'll try to get enough strength to go before the king. Well, at the end of three days, she put on her royal robes and she walked carefully to the edge of the throne room where the king could see her. And the king looked out and she's going, oh, he's going to kill me. He's going to kill me. The king goes, hmm, she still looks good. He lowered his golden scepter. Come in, come in. Esther comes in kind of nervous and he says, well, what's the problem? What, what do you want? I'll do anything you want. I'll give you half my kingdom if you want. And the queen says, well, what I'd really like is, is to have a special dinner, just you and me and Haman. Okay? Haman's your number one guy. Just the three of us. Let's have dinner together. The king thought, oh, that sounds good. Let Haman know. Haman got all excited. Here, he was a special dude, man. He gets to eat with the king and the queen. So they have dinner together. And she put out all this spicy food that she really liked. And they had a great party together, and, and the king says, okay, wh what is it? What's your request? And she said, well, it's, have you ever been to the place where you wanted to say something but you were afraid to? Well, she kind of backed off. She said, um, how about let's do this again tomorrow night? 
Let's have another party. I'll fix another meal, and then I'll tell you. The king says, eh, sounds good to me. Haman, he's excited. This gets two good meals with him and the queen and the king. So Haman leaves and starts heading home, and, and, and he's just thinking, man, I am the coolest dude ever. And as he walks by Mordecai, guess what Mordecai doesn't do? What doesn't Mordecai do? He doesn't bow down. Haman gets torqued. He says, oh, I can't stand this. He was so upset. He, he went home. He called all of his friends over and his wife. And, and he said, you know, I'm the richest man in the kingdom. I'm number two. I'm special. I got ten sons. Everything's going good for me. But there's one thing that drives me crazy. It's that Mordecai. I can't take it. He ruins my life. And his wife said, well, do something about it. Tell him. In fact, make an example out of him. Why don't you just build a gallows out in our backyard? A gallows is what you hang somebody on. Right. Build a gallows and, and, and make it 20 feet tall. No, 30, 40, 50. No, make it 75 foot tall. So everybody in the whole town can see it. And they'll know what happens when someone doesn't bow down to you. Haman thought that was a great idea. And so he had the gallows built that night. Well, the same night back in the palace, the king, he couldn't sleep. Apparently some of that spicy food was working against him. And he couldn't, couldn't, just couldn't sleep. And there was nothing on TV. In fact, he didn't even have a TV. Imagine that. And so he called for, for his guards. He said, bring in the, the, the royal book and, and tell me some history, some great things I've done. And so they're reading away, and they get to the part about Mordecai telling him about the guards and how that Mordecai had saved his life. And the king said, well, what's been done for Mordecai? How have we honored him? And they said, nothing, no reward, no nothing, no medal to pin on his chest. Nothing. And he said, i got to do something. Is there an advisor uh, out in the court? And just so happened that Haman had gotten there early because Haman wanted to ask the king for permission to hang Mordecai. And the king invites Haman in, and the king says to Haman, Hey, what should I do to honor somebody more than anybody else? I really want to honor them. And Haman is thinking, I bet he wants to honor me. I bet he wants to do something special for me again. I've had dinner with him and the queen. Um, well, King, you know what I'd like? I'd like, one, one, I, mean, I mean, whoever you're going to honor, I would like a royal robe that you've worn to be put on him. Uh, put him on your royal horse that you've ridden on. And then take one of your chief advisors and, and walk him around the square saying, this is the way the king honors someone he wants to honor. King says, great idea. Go do that for Mordecai. Haman couldn't believe it, but he had to do it. He went out, he got Mordecai, put the king's robe over his rags, put him on his horse, walked him all around the square saying, this is the way the king honors someone he wants to honor. And he, he was dying inside. Mordecai didn't really know what was going on. They got done. Mordecai took off the robe, back to his rags, standing outside the, the palace. And Haman went home, just fit to be dying. He got there and he started telling his wife what was going on. She says, 
wait a minute. You said Mordecai was Jewish, right? I've heard that the God of the Jews takes care of them. I think your luck's going to change. I think things are going to go bad for you. And just then, a couple of guys knocked on the door and said, Dinner's ready. Come on. So Haman was taken back to the palace. And they sit down to eat with the king and the queen and Haman. And Haman's kind of nervous and not knowing what's going to happen. And they eat their dinner. And then the king says, Okay, queen. What do you want? She says, well, (laughs) I want to live. (laughs) I don't want to be killed. And I don't want my people to be killed. And, and, And there's an evil man in your kingdom who has written a law saying we're all supposed to be killed, exterminated, and gone. And, and if it was just a law making us slaves, I wouldn't even bother you. It wouldn't, wouldn't be worth bothering you. But I want to live. My people want to live. And the king says, who is this wicked man? Uh, can you imagine what Haman's thinking about then? Yeah. <laughs> the queen looks over and says, that wicked man... The king exploded. He jumped up from his chair. He went out into the garden thinking, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? And Haman, he's scared spitless. He goes up to the queen and starts begging and pleading for his life. And and he falls down on on her couch. The king comes in and he goes, what are you doing? You're you're assaulting my my queen on top of everything else I've heard today. What am I going to do with you? And one of his guards who grabbed him said, Sir, look out the window. What do you see out there? The king looked out. What's that? That's a gallows that Haman had built to hang Mordecai on last night. The king looked out and he said, hang Haman on it. And so they did. Seventy-five feet tall. Boing. That was the end of Haman. The end of Haman. Well, the king said to the queen, well, you can have all of Haman's riches. You can have everything he has. And he said to Mordecai, Mordecai, since you're the queen's cousin and you raised her, here, you take the ring that I had given to Haman. and Now you're in control. You're in charge of everything. Mordecai says, cool. The king says, does that take care of everything? And the queen says, well, not quite. There's still a law in the books that says we're all going to be killed on the 12th, or or the 12th month, the 13th day. We need to write, uh, change that law. And the king says, well, I can't, because a law of the Medes and Persians can't be changed. But I've given authority to uh, Mordecai, and, and Mordecai, you figure it out. Find some way to save your people. Mordecai got together with some counselors, and they decided what they would do was to pass another law that said on the 13th day of the 12th month, all of the Jews could defend themselves. And if anybody wanted to kill them, they had the legal right to kill them. And they could even take all their stuff. And they signed the law into effect. Well, the law got out, and of course the Jews are elated because now they can, they're not going to die They can defend themselves. In fact, the government was going to help them. In fact, it's kind of funny. It says a lot of people became Jews that day. (laughs) 
I'm one, I'm one, I'm one. Well, the day came, and the fighting began. Those that wanted to kill the Jews were killed. In fact, 500 were killed in the capital city. And uh, we're not sure how many outside the city. That, that night, the king said to the queen, did I take care of everything? And she says, well, not quite, not quite. Um, there are still some people who want to kill us. And Haman's ten sons were all killed today, but not everybody knows that. We need one more day to see if there are any more enemies of the Jewish people out there. And we'd like to have those ten sons have their bodies displayed publicly so everybody knows what happens when they try to kill God's people. And so they did. 300 more people were killed. A total of 75,000 enemies of the Jews were killed that day, over the two days. Well, the Jews had a big party, obviously, celebrating their freedom. They weren't going to be destroyed. And Mordecai said, you know, this is a great thing, that we remember what God did for us. I think we need to pass a law that says every year the Jews should celebrate this day. Let's call it Purim, because that's what uh, Haman cast to decide what day it would be. Let's call it Purim, and let's make it a celebration for all time. You know, even today, the Jewish people celebrate Purim or Purim. They remember what it is God did for them. They remember how Esther was willing to stand up to the king. How Esther was willing to, to, to understand that God had put her in that place for a reason and he wanted to use her. And even today when the Jews celebrate Purim, they read the story of Esther from the Bible. And they remember and they're challenged by what she did. You know, tomorrow we're going to celebrate the 4th of July, a day when we remember sacrifices that were made for us and, and how that Declaration of Independence gave us our freedom. A beautiful day to remember what's given to us. But I want it to be even more than that. I think it would be good for us to read over the Declaration of Independence. Tomorrow. I read it this week. It's amazing. Moms and dads, get it and read it. Read it to your kids. Just like the Jews read the story of Esther. And, and then commit ourselves to letting God use us to bring some changes into a nation that has some bad laws. Laws that allow for unborn babies to be killed. Laws that, that go against God's law. Give us the courage to be like Esther. To say, God has put us here at this time and this place to make a difference. We want to save our country. We want to save our people, just like Esther saved her people. A great, great lesson for us to learn. And I pray that we'll learn from it. Tomorrow, when you're watching fireworks and you're eating hot dogs, will you promise me you'll at least think about Esther? Let me see a hand. Will you talk about Esther? Put your hand up. Carter, get your hand up. All right, there you go. All right, all right, all right. Girls, put your hand up. Esther, Esther, she's the star, remember? Esther's the star who saved her people because she was willing to do what God wanted her to do. Let's be like her, okay? You girls be like Esther. That'd be awesome. Awesome. And don't worry about that husbands, you know, being the rulers of their house. We'll forget about that part. 
You just be what God's called you to be, okay? All right, we'll celebrate together tomorrow. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for the freedoms you've given us. We're thankful for those who've, who've faced, faced death and some have died to make, make us into the country we are today and to have the freedoms we celebrate tomorrow. Help us remember Esther and her willingness to lay her life on the line. She said, if I die, I die. I'll do what God wants me to do. Let that be our commitment, Lord, to do what you want us to do. Help us to to do what needs to be done for this country, recognizing that it's a gift that you've given to us and one that we need to preserve. You've placed us here for a good reason. Let us do it. In Jesus' name.